welcome to This Week in Sports. Here's your host, The Pony. Good afternoon and welcome everybody. It is Friday, November 8th. 2019. I want to welcome you all as we head into the weekend. I'm your host, as always, The Pody, and we've got a lot of headlines in the sports world. I'm going to cover all of it from the crazy season that is Cleveland Browns football to the dumpster fire that is my New York Jets. I don't even know if I want to claim them as my team because I'm just so disgusted. I've reached an all-time low in my life, if that is even possible when it comes to New York Jets football. There's some stuff going on in the NBA with the Kawhi Leonard load management Clippers. They've been fined there. I'll get into that. And then we have the Golden State Warriors. If they couldn't have gotten worse news, um, it just seems like it's going all downhill from them. Their fall from grace, if you will, has been so meteoric and catastrophic. It's as if, you know, they're taking a nosedive off Mount Kilimanjaro or Mount Fiji. Uh, The plane is is in a nosedive right into the Pacific Ocean right now. It's just absolutely horrifying if you're a Golden State Warriors fan or player or anyone in that organization right now. But I will get into that. Um, There's some stuff we want to talk about with... um, Antonio Brown briefly. I'll get to that. College basketball got underway on Tuesday. The first CFP uh, rankings, the college football playoff rankings came out or were released on Tuesday. Um, We've got a big weekend in sports. So um, without further ado, I do want to jump right in and we're going to start with some injury news in the NFL and it comes via the Indianapolis Colts and their quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, who suffered an MCL sprain in their 26-24 loss to the Steelers. It happened quite early in the game, uh, either first or early second quarter, and uh, he was replaced by Brian Hoyer, who did a decent job. I do believe he threw a pick six in this one, but um, he came in, hadn't played all season, veteran journeyman quarterback, right? Former Patriot, uh, former Brown. He's been all over Texans. You name it, he's played there. And uh, he threw a touchdown on his first pass to Jack Doyle, who thankfully I picked up in my fantasy uh, matchup. I was thin without uh, T.Y. Hilton picked up Jack Doyle. He gets that touchdown there and helped me get to a victory for the eighth time this season. That's right, I've improved to 8-1. and one. I won by less than two or three points. Just unbelievable that I was able to sneak by in that one. Thank you very much, Keenan Allen, for laying a goose egg. But um, anyway, the Colts um, are optimistic with the Brissett injury. They're not ruling him out for this week's game against the Dolphins, but let's face it, it is the Dolphins. They are fighting for their chance at an AFC South title or even wildcard um, you know, spot in the playoffs, so they might not want to risk it against the Dolphins. And they might, you might end up seeing them just throw uh, Brian Hoyer out there for one more week, and that should be okay. Now, I just alluded to the Browns, so let's talk about them real quick. Uh, they're a mess. They are in a free fall. I thought my Jets were, were, were bad, but the Browns might be up there with them. Uh, it's as bad as it's gotten, okay? Uh, they they lost. They were one of my picks this week, okay? I almost gave them pretty much as a guarantee, and they couldn't even back me up on that one. So my picks in the NFL have just been a mess. They've been all over the place, and I really don't know where to go from here. It, it's just been a disaster. 
they lose 24 to 19 to the Broncos, right? They're now two and six. And not only that, they lost to a quarterback named Brandon Allen, uh, a former sixth round pick out of Arkansas, who had to look up on YouTube how to massage his hands to make his fingers lo- a bit longer. Because obviously in the NFL, you know, it, through the draft process, they like uh, players with big hands big hand size, and so he did that, and he was able to uh, extend his fingers a a, a little bit and able to get himself drafted. That's the type of guy you just lost to making his first career NFL start in place of the injured Joe Flacco. So it's just pathetic. There was a fourth and five-ish that the the Browns needed to convert towards the end of the game. OBJ was wide open on the go route. He had beat Chris Harris Jr. on the deep ball, and instead of going up top to OBJ, who as much much as I hate him, he's one of the best receivers in the NFL, and he knows how to high point the ball and make unbelievably spectacular game-changing plays and receptions. And instead, he tries to throw to Jarvis Landry um, at the first down marker just underneath into double coverage, and the ball wasn't even had no chance, had no chance of being completed. So it's just an absolute dumpster fire in Cleveland once again. And all those idiots that picked them to make the playoffs or were picking them to win the Super Bowl, haha, <laughs> you know, you are, you are, uh, Well, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. It's Cleveland Browns football, and once again, they are proving why they are losers. But I really can't say anything as a Jets fan. Um, I'm fired up here. But here's, let's get down to brass tacks. This is what happened after the game, okay? Uh, Well, not only the fact that they lost, but then you saw Baker Mayfield with that with that mustache, and he was getting roasted, and it just, it's not a good look, but the cherry on top for the Browns was when safety Jermaine Whitehead, if you don't know who that is, it's because he's virtually a nobody, a undrafted player out of Auburn, Um, I forget which team he he started his career on, but he came over to the Browns, he started in all, in all eight of their games, and um, he went on a Twitter rant, spewing racist comments, death threats, the the like, you name it. Um, Dustin Fox, the Browns radio broadcaster, said Whitehead's tackling was a joke. Whitehead responded by telling him, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, stuff in here that I can't say, but bear with me. Come get it in blood, B. Mad ass little boy. I'm out there with a broke hand. Don't get smoke. F.S. Cracker. Okay, so yeah, it, it, it's it's completely childish. Okay, um, the guy didn't say anything wrong. He was just frustrated, voicing his opinion that the tackling was horrible, and this is how he responded. He also basically um, voiced death threats to other fans as well uh, on Twitter. Okay, well, it didn't take too long, a bit longer than it should have. But Monday, he Whitehead was cut by the Browns, so that's what you get. And um, you are today's. You are an idiot! <laughs> yeah, you are today's idiot, okay? Um, that goes to you, safety. Jermaine Whitehead, now free agent. Won't play again this season, probably. Okay, another, some more injury news as we move on. Deshaun Jackson was put on IR ending his season. He is 
eligible to return in the wild card round of the playoffs, but he suffered a torn abdominal muscle against the Bears on Sunday. Tests revealed a full tear of that abdominal muscle, and and it looks like about six weeks minimum um, for recovery there. So, uh... As we move on, another major injury blow for the Tennessee Titans. They lose their star corner, Malcolm Butler, to a broken wrist. He's been put on IR just in time for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to come to town, baby. Can't wait as Mahomes, he is in fact going to make his return, miss two weeks. Um, I'll get into that more as I preview it, but Andy Reid did say that Patrick Mahomes will play barring any setbacks on Sunday, so look for that. Okay, um, Cam Newton was also placed on IR, and his time in Carolina, guys, it could very much, um, it could very well likely be over. All right, Kyle Allen, we know how he's been 5 and 1 there. He he could be the savior, who knows what what that holds the future, you know, 5 6 games is a small sample size, but they've got Christian McCaffrey, they're gelling, they're doing really well. So Cam Newton, he might not come back as a member of Carolina Panthers. So that is something to keep an eye on, but his season is over. And the New York Jets, they did put Trumaine Johnson on IR as well. No big crazy loss there um, at all. Um, And so um, with that being said, I think now would be a really good time to talk about my New York Jets and go on about a five to six minute rant here. Um, I know you guys have been waiting for it, but I can't I can't hold back any longer, and I don't want to wait to the middle of the show, so I am just going to lay it all out there right now, and and then we'll move on, because I am absolutely disgusted. The Jets did the unthinkable on Sunday, and thank God for Adam Gase that this was a road game in Miami, although it was in the stadium that he was coaching in last year, so we should be very familiar with the team that was across from him, and a team that is tanking for Tua. The Miami Dolphins are tanking about as as plainly as you could possibly tank. They are not trying to win. They traded away Kenyon Drake. We all know they're not trying to win. Nobody really knows the names of these players even on the Miami Dolphins. They hadn't won a game yet to date. If it wasn't any indication enough that they were tanking, just look at the Pittsburgh game when they had the 14-point lead and then they said, oh crap, we gotta let the uh, the Steelers back in this game. We gotta let them win. When they had everybody in the end zone on the underneath play right before halftime and they let them walk into the end zone. So, here's what happens. They make they they come they go down to uh to Miami there to play the Dolphins and of course they go on top 7 nothing the first drive just like against the Jaguars, very scripted, very con- you know, very nice drive. Darnold's hitting his receivers. They're making plays, converting third downs. They look great. They get the 7 nothing lead and then boom, they have another chance, another opportunity and they miss the field goal. They could have went up 10 nothing and then they proceed to let Ryan Fitzpatrick slice and dice and this kid Preston Williams goes for two touchdowns. Never even heard of the goddamn guy before in my life, although unfortunately he's now on IR. He got hurt in that game. But uh, he goes off for two touchdowns. Ryan Fitzpatrick throws for three scores in the first half, which is uh, the last Miami quarterback to do that against the Jets, I believe, was Dan Marino. So basically, Ryan Fitzpatrick was looking all world, looking like Hall of Famer Dan Marino. They couldn't stop a nosebleed if they tried. Adam Gase made zero adjustments, zero half time adjustments and then the camera crew uh, so nicely points to Adam Gase and he is sitting on the bench writing notes or looking at pictures Uh, I don't know what he was doing um, but he looked absolutely lost 
He looks like a guy that is completely and utterly lost out there. A guy that is in over his head and doesn't have a clue. Maybe a guy that is a good, decent offensive coordinator, but just a guy that is absolutely not meant to coach the New York Jets or maybe any team for that matter, because I did not think it could get any worse than what it was on Sunday. That was single-handedly the worst loss in Jets history, and I've only been around for the last 28 years of it, or 27 and a half years of it, and I'm not the only one saying that. Guys that have been around for 50, 60 years are saying that this is the worst loss in Jets history. This is worse than the butt fumble. This is worse than just the, the, the mud bowl. This is worse than all of it, okay? And this might be worse than the Rich Kotite era, all right? Because th- this is pathetic. And not only that, um, th- he makes zero halftime adjustments every single game. It is ridiculous, and I'm sick and tired of it, and Sam Darnold, the former number three overall pick, should be progressing now in his 18th, 19th game, second season in the NFL, but instead, the quarterback guru or the quarterback whisperer is taking him and basically destroying his career. Sam Darnold is regressing. It is clear as day. Okay, he looks scared back there. He's afraid to take a hit. The pocket is collapsing left and right. They're not coaching up this kid. They're not helping him with the play calling. They have him try to roll out to the left uh, on one of those pick plays, and he was supposed to get Crowder in the end zone, and he throws the interception, which was absolutely just a horrible play call. I mean, granted, he shouldn't have thrown it. He got hit. Maybe he was trying to throw it away. Who knows? But you don't roll a a righty quarterback to the left and try to make him throw the ball. He's still a young second your guy. The plays are too complicated. You don't know what you're doing. I could call simpler plays. I mean, you just throw slants to Robbie Anderson. You get the ball to Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield on a linebacker, an angle route over the middle, what have you, and they make plays. You don't try to hold on to the ball or run these ridiculous plays when your offensive line sucks. It's just, it's it's unbelievable. You can't make it up. If you were if you were talking to somebody who hasn't watched a Jet game all season, they wouldn't even believe you when you tell them how bad this is. They lost to a team that isn't even trying to win. Okay, and then you have um, you have Brian Winters arguing with Sam Darnold in the huddle or after the uh, safety play where he chucked it into the end zone for the safety, and then um, they they ask Gase after the game, you know. Um, what what happened there? And he's and this is Adam Gase, direct quote. I've got to ask those guys kind of what was said in the huddle. I was just trying to get everybody regrouped. It wasn't the right time and place to ask. It wasn't the right time and place. You've got to be kidding me. You are losing the football game. When is the right time and place? After you lose? No, it's in the middle of the game when it's happening because that's when you have to make the adjustments. Look at all the great coaches in the NFL. When your quarterback throws an interception or a bad, there's a bad play, they come over to the sideline and the coach is talking to them and they're going over the stuff that just happened. They're going over the play or the interception or the fumble or the read or this or that. And they're doing it in the moment. Gase does none of that. And I swear to God, I don't get what it is. But these coaches come to the New York Jets. And I swear to God, they they lose their mind and they forget how to coach. 
I, they drug them up for something because they just stand on the sideline, whether it's Todd Bowles or it's Adam Gase, they stare on the sideline. They could be winning 55 nothing or losing 55 nothing, and they have the same goddamn facial expression, and I'm sick and tired of it, and I never thought I'd say this, but bring back Rex Ryan. Give me Rex Ryan back right now. I would take that in a heartbeat because he was the last and really only successful coach I've ever seen in my lifetime. Back-to-back AFC championships. Yeah, there was the butt fumble and there were certain things, but it is way better or it was way better than it was than it is right now. This is this is at a tipping point, a boiling point, and the sad part is we can't even get rid of Adam Gase because he has his reins so tightly wrapped around this idiot that is Christopher Johnson, the owner of said New York Jets. So, I want to play a clip of Adam Gase talking at the podium. They asked him a couple things, and then the last question was, oh, are you embarrassed by this loss, Adam? I do think it's um, unbelievable. There was one reporter, actually, that asked Adam Gase, does this justify the Dolphins firing you? And he refused to answer that question, saying it was ridiculous. I mean, wow, the gumption to uh, ask that question. But it's a valid question, I'm not going to lie, because the Dolphins look like pure geniuses for firing. Adam Gase because none of the players in Miami, that's the same thing that every player in Miami has to say, none of them liked Adam Gase and they threw a party when he was fired. And granted, hindsight's 2020. Oh, Mike McCarthy, you should have brought him in. I was opposed to Mike McCarthy. I still think that that was the wrong, that would have been the wrong move. Well, right now, I don't even know. Uh, I'd take Mike McCarthy over over Adam Gase, and I said I would no longer be a Jet fan if they hired Mike McCarthy, and and, and now, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm eating those words because anything would be better than it is right now because Sam Darnold is regressing, and this might just have ruined his career. Adam Gase might have ruined his career. He, this is just, it's, it's so, it's so bad. It's laughable. I don't even know how I can get through the rest of this season. They still have to play the winless Bengals. They're going to give them their first win. They're probably going to get embarrassed by the Giants. It's just a disaster. It's a disaster. So, um, let me, let me, I'm going to play this clip from Adam Gase, but really quickly, I wanted to play, I forgot about this last week, Uh, my dad had sent me this, this is Drew Brees giving a pregame motivational speech to uh, the Purdue Boilermakers last week before their game, Um, they've struggled with injuries, they're not a great football team, but Drew Brees, obviously, that was his alma mater, he went to Purdue, this is a shortened down version of it, but you'll get the idea after I play it on why I, what I'm getting at here. Do this, man. Every time you step on the field, you have to play this game with energy, emotion, and excitement. Energy, emotion, and excitement. One play at a time, because you don't know what play is going to be the most important play in the game. Will be the defining moment for the game, and maybe for your season, and maybe for your run, to start your streak. And the most important thing, man, play for each other. Look at the brother next to you, man. That's what it's all about. That's what you love most about this game. That's what I appreciate most about this game. I'm in my 19th season in the NFL. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I could play that long and be a part of so many great teams and develop so many great relationships. But that's what I think about when I walk away from this game. Man, I got brothers. I got brothers everywhere. I played for them. They played for me. They counted on me. I counted on them. And we accomplished great things together. So let's do that today, man. Defining moment. Today. If you're with me, give me two claps. If you're with me, give me two claps. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, that's Drew Brees giving a proper motivational speech. That's what it's all about. 
Now here is Adam Gase at the podium after just being totally destroyed by his former employer. I mean, it's one and seven. I mean, everybody feel like crap, you know. And you don't put in all this time and effort to come out here and lose. I mean, we got to get things fixed. That's that's what they know. That's what I told them. That's what the other guys in the locker room were saying the same thing. It doesn't matter in the NFL. You got to come out here. You got to play good. You got to play well. You can't have penalties. You can't have missed opportunities. We didn't play well enough. Is this, is this win by them? Adam, is this embarrassing? I mean, it's the NFL, man. It's the NFL. You can't, you can't be embarrassed by this Are you kidding me? If you can't be embarrassed by this loss to your old team that just fired you in the offseason and is trying to lose, you just gave them their first win of the season. If you can't be embarrassed by that, then you shouldn't be here in New York and you shouldn't be coaching this team. Because I'm embarrassed. And like Bart Scott said in the post game on SNY, this is the type of loss where as a player, you don't want to leave your house. You don't even want to go to the grocery store because you're so friggin' embarrassed. How are you not embarrassed? And the way he talks, he's just so down in the dumps and glum. And no, I want some emotion. Where is the fire and the passion? Okay, that's everything that I was saying last season about Todd Bowles. I do not understand it. We don't want this fake guy to come in and just say all the right things and just go about. No, this is the NFL. You need to show some emotion. This is why I said, I swear to God, I would welcome Rex Ryan with open arms if he came back right now. Even Herm Edwards, he had emotion. That guy is great. I don't understand what they drug these guys. They, there's no other explanation other than they're drugging them before the games because I can't fathom how there are zero halftime adjustments being made within the game. Your 10 to 15 scripted plays at the beginning are what's working. That's why they scored two straight weeks on their opening drive touch down but then after that when the op- opposing team starts to uh make their adjustments you have no answer that is the definition of a guy that deserves to be fired because he doesn't he's not coaching part of coaching is making in-game adjustments you don't just come in with a game plan and then expect that game plan to work because it's not going to things happen there's maybe injuries or or certain things or looks aren't working or certain plays aren't working because your o-line is the worst in the national football league and then you have the audacity to say everything he says is in the post game too it's like i don't know i'm not sure i'll have to go back and look look at that i haven't had a chance to talk to him yet what does this guy know Does he know anything? He can't give us a a clear-cut answer. He's all over the place, and it's, it's, it's time for him to go. But guess what? He won't go because he has clawed himself in on Christopher Johnson. He took over this team, and then in two, all of two seconds, okay, he took all, he gained all the power when he, when he went to Christopher Johnson, and he convinced him to fire GM Mike McCagnan after the draft, and then he took over as interim GM, and then he brought in, and he handpicked the GM and Joe Douglas. So now he can't be fired, and he probably, 
probably won't be fired. And so the only thing that the Jets can do moving forward to get better is to tank this season, recoup a uh, the number one overall pick or, or, or top three, and then trade out of that spot and get a couple of first round picks so that they could draft a couple of O-linemen because I'm not even, I'm totally disgusted with the defense right now. And that's a side note. And you can't even fully blame the defense because of how poor the offense is. And you were seeing it in Chicago with the Bears when their their defense was the best in the league last year. They suck this year because the offense of the Chicago Bears can't stay on the field. The defense is constantly out there and they're tired and they don't have a chance to catch their breath before they're out there again. And you're, you're seeing that. And of course, that's going to happen with the Jets. Yes, they have horrible DBs and they don't have great linebackers. They're down five linebackers. The injuries have been killer and it's just been disgusting. But there's no excuse as to why this offense should be this bad and why Sam Darnold should be regressing in his second year under a supposed quarterback guru. (sighs) I don't know where else to go from here, guys. I really don't. If you think your team is bad, nothing is worse than the New York Jets. Nothing. And by next season, we might not even have Jamal Adams on this team. And I don't even know if I have faith in this regime to draft anybody that's good. Because if you look at the past four or five drafts, the Jets have missed and they have missed and they have missed three different general managers or two different general managers. Idzik, you had McCagnan. They both had, they've had no clue what they're doing. The Jets don't know how to draft and this is why they are a franchise that is a, the laughing stock of the NFL right now. Absolutely tragic. Adam Gase needs to go. But he won't go, so all I could do is try and hope that Joe Douglas knows what he's doing when it comes to the draft. Because this has boiled down to to disastrous. This is the epitome of a black hole. I mean, if I could crawl under a blanket and just hide there for the rest of the season, I would. Because I am beyond disappointed I am at a level of disgust that I have never been at with this team. And I cannot fathom how, how, guys, I am going to make it through the rest of the season. I don't even understand how this team beat the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys should be absolutely um, infuriated and, and disgusted and, and at the fact that they lost to this New York Jet football team that can't even beat a team that is tanking. And the, the, the fact that he said he should be fired alone f- for the fact alone that he said he's not embarrassed by losing to his former employer, a team that isn't trying to win and a team that couldn't beat seven other teams or eight. Yes, seven other teams because they're now one in seven. Absolutely pathetic. And now they get to play the New York Giants. Oh, yeah, great. They're going to get laughed out of their own stadium once again because it's technically a home game. Guys. I've had enough. We'll be back with more after the break. Okay, guys, we're back. I've had a chance to uh, reflect on that rant, and we're going to continue with the NFL, and we're just going to um, quickly get through this uh, rest of the NFL segment here. And that's going to um, start with the Ravens and the Patriots on Sunday night football. What a game. I thought for sure in Patriot fashion, they would come out and they would destroy another young second year quarterback who was the last pick 
in the 2018 draft, mind you, uh, by the Baltimore Ravens, and he's basically outplaying every single quarterback in that draft class, and he has the Ravens looking like serious contenders in the AFC, and this game was over as soon as it started. The Ravens took an early 17-0 lead. You did see the Patriots climb back in this one a little bit, but my God, it was all Ravens, and it was all Lamar Jackson, who totaled uh, 17 of 23 passing, 163 yards, and a touchdown down, but it was what they did on the ground. I mean, just phenomenal. Mark Ingram had 15 carries for 115 yards. Uh, Lamar Jackson added 16 carries for 61 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Even my man Gus Edwards from Rutgers pitched in with a touchdown. Okay. Um, Just all Ravens all day long. Brady threw for 285 yards. He threw a touchdown and an interception in this one. Uh, you had just really nothing in the ground game between James White, Sony Michelle, and Rex Burkhead. They rushed for a total of like 70, 70, some 75 yards or so, just not great, under 80 yards there. And um, James White with the lone rushing touchdown. And then you had another Rutgers player, newly acquired Muhammad Sanu in his second game. He had a nice one, 10 for 81 and a touchdown. But yeah, it was the first time we saw the Patriots look like this. And and it was the first first loss of the season. So they are now 8-1, and one, uh, much like my fantasy team is now 8-1. and one. And the Baltimore Ravens, like I said, 6-2, and two, looking like some serious contenders in the A. AFC. They're going to run away with the AFC North. It looks like just miles ahead of anybody in that division right now. And like I said, look out. This could be a rematch of the AFC Championship game, but I wouldn't be too concerned if I'm the Patriots. Okay, they got maybe outplayed or outcoached a little bit by the Ravens, but if they were to rematch tomorrow, let's, let's you know, not make anything of this. Bill Belichick would would win this game. The Patriots would most definitely win the game. Okay, Um, moving on, we'll talk a little Monday night football between the New York Giants and Dallas Cowboys. This one was a bit of a low scoring game Um, in the beginning. The Giants actually got an interception on the first play from scrimmage. Um, against the Cowboys. Dak tried to throw a slant, and it was intercepted by Bethay and Antoine Bethay. And let's face it, the Giants needed a touchdown right there. They weren't able to get it. And unfortunately, um, it was kind of downhill from there. Unfortunately, um, hold on. I'm just looking for the, give me one second here. I'm looking for the box score. Um, I know Ezekiel Elliott ran for over 100 uh, plus yards here. Let me see. Um, yeah, Dak Prescott did a nice job. Let's see. Um, Daniel Jones, by the way, guys, uh, I would start to be a little bit concerned because he now has 16 turnovers, which is tied for the most in the league with Jameis Winston. That is too many turnovers. There was a play in this game where he, he scrambled and he was sliding for a first down and he was trying to tuck the ball and he still fumbled it away. And mind you, he took over in the third game of the season and he's still tied for the most turnovers in the league. So it's something to be concerned over just slightly, um, but... 
He is still young, and guess what? They get to play the New York Jets, so I'm sure that they will be just fine. The Cowboys prevailed late in this one. They won it 37-18. to There was a late fumble, scoop, and score by the Cowboys, which hit the over, and it also hit the spread because the spread was 6.5, and, and like I said, this one was closer than the score indicated. The Giants definitely had a chance in this one. Um, Evan Ingram did get re- re-aggravate that injury. He's hurt. Uh, there was no Sterling Shepard in this one. Uh, Saquon Barkley, man, he did not look right. I don't think he he is right. I think he's still dealing with that high ankle sprain. He only had 14 carries for 28 yards. That's probably, if I had to guess, one of his worst performances in his lifetime, not just in the NFL. Um, I, I just not great, not great all around. Um, for Dallas, Amari Cooper re-injured, re-aggravated his injury. Um, He did not practice yesterday, I don't believe. His status going forward for Sunday night football against the Vikings, I'm not too sure. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, he ran for 139 yards on 23 carries. That O-line is just ridiculous. Um, Jason Witten had eight, eight receptions. Um, they just, they spread it around really. So, um, yeah, the, the Giants lose, but really the talk of, of this game was what happened when a certain feline creature ran onto the field. So this is via Kevin Harlan. Take a listen to this one. Oh, there's a cat. A black cat is taking the field. A black cat is running from the 20 to the near side, the 10. From the 39 in Dallas, here's a short throw down the middle, caught by Ingram. Caught at the 35, went to the 30. Now the cat running the other way, and so is Ingram at the 30 to the 25, to the 24-yard line of the Dallas Cowboys. It's a catch run of 15. Now the cat is stopped at the 50. So is it bad luck for the Giants? Is it bad luck know. for the Cowboys? I don't know, but they've stopped playing. The players with hands on hips are watching the cat run and zigzag all over the field. The black cat is at the other end of the field. He's black at the cat eight. doesn't know that it was last Thursday that was Halloween. Thursday oh, night right. football, yeah, not Monday night football. He's a little bit late. Now he is sitting <laughs> and looking. Now he's at the five. He's Who brought walking. the cat? He's walking to the three. He's at the two. And the cat is in the CDW red zone. CDW, people who get it now, a policeman, a state trooper has come on the field, and the cat runs into the end zone. That is a touchdown. And the cat is elusive, kind of like Barkley and Elliott. But he didn't know where to go. Look at, they're trying to corner him, and they got him in the end zone. There are state troopers all around this cat, which now climbs up into the stands, and the fans are running for their life. Now it goes back on the field again. And it's running in the back of the end zone. And it runs up the tunnel. <laughs> this was a bad sign for the New York Giants. Once that black cat came onto the field, it was all downhill from there. And like I said, they lose that one thirty-seven to 18. Okay, moving forward, we're going to talk about week 10, the games coming up this weekend on Sunday. Um, but first, let's talk about last night's game between the Chargers and the Oakland Raiders. The uh, Raiders pulled through on this one. It was a back and forth. They get the the victory 26 to 24. Um, They had to sweat that one out as their kicker missed the extra point. 
which would have made it a three-point game. And then with a minute left, the Chargers got the ball and they were driving. But ultimately, Phillip Rivers threw an interception. Phillip Rivers did not look great in this one. 207 yards, two touchdowns, that interception. He threw a lot of bad balls behind receivers over their heads. Just not great. Uh, Derek Carr on the flip side threw for 218 yards and one touchdown. I think I'm 8-1 mostly because I took the gamble that Mahomes was coming back and I benched Derek Carr, who I had for the past two weeks. I benched him knowing that this was Thursday night football and that these historically have been very bad performance type games unfortunately I had to start Tyrell Williams with the amount of injuries that I had he only got me four points but I still should um, likely get the win this week hopefully Uh, Melvin Gordon he looked like him his old self 108 yards had a touchdown he was breaking tackles looked good Josh Jacobs he had the game winning score Um, it was like an 18 yard rushing touchdown he had 71 total yards Keenan Allen had 68 yards couldn't get in the end zone uh, my my man Hunter Henry did score. Um, there was a couple of fullbacks that scored in this one on both sides. You had um, one of the Watt brothers, forget his name, he scored a touchdown. And then a guy for um, Ingold, I believe, for the Raiders also scored. Doesn't help anybody in fantasy. But anyway, um, looking forward to uh, some of these games now. Um, Actually, the Raiders, it's surprising me, but I think once they got rid of the cancer that was Antonio Brown, they have they have suddenly started to play winning football the last couple of weeks, and they're sitting at 5-4, and four, and they're right in the mix for a wild card spot. So good job for John Gruden, um, Derek Carr, and, and those guys. They are really uh, doing a good job. You have the uh, 1 o'clock games. We'll start with, obviously, the Ravens at the Bengals. Um, yeah, the Bengals are bad. They're going to be starting... Um, Ryan Finley, I believe a rookie. So look for the Ravens to just eat against him. Um, I believe that this should be, this should be all Ravens. I would take the Ravens and the spread. Could this be a bit of a trap game? Maybe, but, um, you know, I would still, I would still easily, uh, take the Ravens in this one. Then you have the Bills at the Browns. Listen, the Browns are in free fall. It is disastrous. Okay. So give me the Bills 110%. The Lions and Bears, I'm that's a division matchup. I wouldn't really go near it, but because of the way the Bears are playing so poorly, I would take the uh what did I say? The Lions. What's the spread on this game? That's the spread is um wow, there's no it doesn't seem like there's a spread on this one. Um I'm looking on Yahoo. There does not seem to be a spread. So either way, I would take the Lions. It's in Chicago at Soldier Field, though, but I still like the Lions in an upset there. Um, you've got the, let's see, the Chiefs and the Titans. Like I said, Chiefs going to uh, Tennessee Nissan Stadium there in uh, Nashville. I love the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is back. He's all go, all systems go. They lost Malcolm Butler. Look for Tyreek Hill to have a big, big game, maybe 150 yards and two touchdowns. Look for Travis Kelsey to get going. Look for the maybe running game to get it back a little bit. Um, I, I think that this is all Chiefs. They're at six and a half. I love this spread here. I love the Chiefs at six and a half. You have the Falcons and the Saints. There, you know, there's this is an easy one. It's Saints all day. They are my Super Bowl pick. They're sitting at seven and one. They will be eight and one. The Falcons are a joke as well. And I think Matt Ryan will play in this one, but still, they're one and seven. They're not playing for anything this year. So that'll be all Saints in the Superdome. You have the Bucks and Cardinals. Um, the Cardinals, they need a win if they want to have any chance at a playoff uh, run here. They're 3-5-1. and one. They're going to need this win. It's Tampa Bay minus 4.5. This is not a game you want to bet on. 
on. But if I was a betting man, I would have I would take the Cardinals to cover. You have the Colts and the Dolphins. This is all Colts easily. Uh, Packers and Panthers. Uh, Packers they got upset against the Chargers. That was a game that I picked. I predicted. But no, no chance it happens two weeks in a row. Aaron Rodgers, he will be slinging it all over the field to eight different receivers. Um, he's going to work in those running backs. They're, they're going to be fine there. Then you have the Rams and Steelers. I, I, I like the Rams here sitting at five and three. They need a win. They're on the road at the Steelers who are four and four. Uh, Rams three and a half. Um, I'll take the Rams here. And then in Sunday night's matchup, you have the Cowboys hosting the Vikings. We don't know the status of Amari Cooper, but I can tell you that the Vikings have ruled out Adam Thielen already. Um, so that's a tough blow for them. They're without him once again. Dallas is two and a half point favorites. Um, and this is this could go either way, truthfully, but Cowboys at home, I'll just take them. And then Monday night's game, you have the 8-0 49ers against the 7-2 Seahawks, and it's San Francisco minus six and a half. Well, I'm going to give you uh, my upset pick of the week. Seahawks will win this game on the road. You can book it. Okay, a couple other things I want to say just before we finish this up. Some injury news or some just some announcements. Um, Kareem Hunt, uh, look for him on the field Sunday against the Bills. He is officially back. Freddie Kitchen says he looks to get him um, deployed some in the game on Sunday in the game plan. They really have no other choice. They're terrible right now, so they've got to try something. So look for um, Kareem Hunt. You know, nice little handcuff to have if you're Nick Chubb owners, maybe. And then um, the Giants and the Jet game. Let's. I didn't really. I didn't even preview that game at all, actually. But the Giants have ruled out Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard against the Jets. The Jets. On the other hand, are hopeful Chris Herndon can finally um, play and suit up. This I don't even know. This is such a bad. This is such a crappy game between the Jets and Giants. I mean, um, four years ago when they played and the Jets needed to win to make the playoffs, and they had that incredible run with Fitzpatrick where he um, ran for it on fourth and two, and then they were able to go and win the game. Um, that seems like it was a decade ago. The, but call it what you want: the Pooper Bowl, the Toilet Bowl, the the championship bowl, whatever you want to call call it, this is not going to be fun. And quick trivia, what are the Jets and the um, New York Knicks have in common? Yeah, they both have seven losses and one win. They're both one and seven. The, the state of New York sports is at an all-time low it, 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 that it's just it's so bad we have nothing to look forward to the islanders are probably the best team in the new york uh, metropolitan area and, and then the next closest would be of course the new york yankees maybe there's some buzz around the new york mets because they just hired carlos beltron um but it, it, it's really bad and i'm going to watch this because i'm a sick I am a sick, sick individual, and I am a Jets fan, and I just love to put myself through torture and watch this football team play. Um, so yeah, of course, I'm going to be sitting on my couch watching this game, and, and I'm just going to be disgusted, and I'm going to be cursing and yelling and, and just just disgusted by everything I'm watching, yet I'm going to sit there and watch every last play because I am a sick individual. I am a sports junkie, and unfortunately, um, I'm going to go down with the ship, and I'm going to watch this game, and I'm going to be more embarrassed than I was last week, probably, and then I'm going to come back on the show in a week from today, and I'm going to say more of the same, and I'm going to just lose it. I am going to lose it. 
Um, so yeah, that's the state of that game. Uh, it's, it's giants all the way. Like I said, this is a jet home game technically, but, um, by halftime, Adam Gase is going to want to get on a plane and, and fly himself to Antarctica and just stay there for the rest of eternity because it is going to be at a, uh, just at a boiling point where fans are going to want to leave the stadium if they don't already. Um, I'm actually curious to see how many fans show up for this game because you've got the one and seven Jets, two and six Giants, both teams trending in the wrong direction. So it's just, it's disaster all around. If you're a New York sports fan, if you live in this area, it's just, uh, it's, it's bad all the way around. And that there's no, I'm not even joking when I say this, um, because it doesn't, it really does not get worse than this. So, okay. Um, that will wrap up the full segment uh, for football and we're going to take another quick break and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little college football. Okay, we're back once again, and we're going to get into college football in a second, but I just, one last thing on the NFL that I forgot to mention, the Jacksonville Jaguars are on a bye this week, but Doug Marone has come out and announced that they are moving back, shifting back to Nick Foles as their starting quarterback after this week's bye. Gardner Minshew, the sixth round pick um, out of Washington State did a fantastic job, but let's be real. The Jaguars signed Nick Foles in the offseason to a four-year, $88 million deal with over $50 million guaranteed, which was a club record. He was signed to be the guy, and he got hurt 11, 12 plays into the season. Nick Foles is back. I'm very interested to see how this team gels moving forward because really Gardner Minshew did a nice job. He's a more mobile guy than Nick Foles. Okay. Um, I'm curious to see how this helps Leonard Fournette, especially maybe they don't stack as many guys in the box because he's had a little bit more difficult time running the ball the last couple weeks. And I'd love to see him get in the end zone. Fournette has just one touchdown on the year. I believe he still leads the AFC in rushing and I need him to get in the end zone a little bit more for uh, my fantasy uh, team. And fantasy purposes. Okay, so now let's talk college football. The college football playoff rankings, the first rankings of the year came out on Tuesday. And we've got some some important notes to, to, to give you here. So you have coming in at number one, Ohio State, number two, LSU, number three, Alabama, and rounding out the top four is Penn State. No Clemson. Clemson was a was snubbed a little bit here coming in at number 5. This ends I believe their 24 or 28 week streak of being ranked in the college football playoff. So that streak ends and now the new the new leader uh the new streak would be Alabama with 8 straight weeks. They come in at number 3. So Clemson and Alabama the two staple teams that we've seen in the national championship the last few years and staples in the college football playoff coming in at numbers 3 and numbers five. So we could be seeing a seismic shift here in the college football world with LSU getting back to dominance with their Heisman Trophy um, quarterback in uh, in Joe Burrow, who's a potential uh, top 
pick in the NFL draft coming up. And then Penn State, I'm surprised they're up here at 8-0. They've got a tough test coming up against P.J. Fleck in um, 8-0 Minnesota, but we'll get to that in a minute. Ohio State, really, um, no shocker here that they're number one. They deserve to be there. And, and if you want to look at the um, the rest of it, really, I'll go through a couple of notable uh, notable teams here. Okay, coming in at number six, you have Georgia leading the pack of one-loss teams. You have Oregon at number eight, uh, excuse me, number seven. So there's some room there for those two teams should one of those other teams lose. And one of them will lose because LSU and Alabama are playing each other uh, tomorrow night. Then you've got um, another unbeaten team in in 8-0 Baylor at number 12. So they're the one Big 12 team that if all goes right, you know, Oklahoma's there at number 9 at 7-1, and one, but should Baylor be able to get through Oklahoma because they have to play them a couple times coming up here? If they're able to get through uh, Oklahoma, then, um, you know, they have a really good chance if they can beat them in the Big 12 championship game. And then... Uh, that then then it gets interesting if they're you know part of that undefeated and, and there's maybe a one loss Alabama or a one loss LSU where it's going to be really intriguing to see what happens I would think that Baylor would get in in that case and of course Matt Rule the coach of Baylor has them you know at 8-0 and just a couple seasons removed from that big time scandal with the sexual abuse allegations there with the players and yada 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 and the turnover there with the coaching staff and everything Matt Rule was a guy that the New York Jets interviewed and could have hired but they didn't want him to pick his own coaching staff. They wanted to pick the coaching staff for him. So another guy that the Jets missed on that they could have had. It just it just it snowballs and it gets worse and worse. But anyway, um, then you have was you know Wisconsin six and two. Um, like I said, you could see the full rankings, but those those are really the notables there. Um, like I said that uh, I believe also Alabama being ranked third in the CFP. I don't believe that a team ranked third in the college football playoff has gone on to win the national championship. Um, So that's something to keep an eye on. And then um, moving along, Florida State, this was, um, this we all saw coming. They fired their head coach and Willie Taggart. Okay. Uh, They fired him on Sunday after less than two years at Florida State, and they just lost a bad game to in-state rival um, Miami, 27-10. to Okay, so yeah, they had to make a move there. He was hired back in 2017 to replace Jimbo Fisher, who left to become the head coach at Texas A&M. Um, according to, from what I read, according to the Tallahassee Democrat, um, Taggart had a six-year, $30 million contract that included a clause that if he was fired by Florida State, he would receive 85% of the remaining compensation left on his contract, which equals roughly $18 million. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. <laughs> Must be nice to be a football coach in in college because, man, these guys get paid. Even when you're not doing your job, you have a clause in there that you get 85% of, of your salary, which is $18 million. Just unreal. He don't have to work for the rest of his life. Obviously, that's not going to be the case, and he will find another job somewhere as a coordinator. But um, interesting note here, guess who has he emerged as a serious candidate for this 
position to fill in as Florida State's next head coach. Obviously, it's been uh, Florida State. They had Bobby Bowden for what he coached there for 37 years or so, and then Jimbo Fisher. So just those two coaches in in over 40 years, and now they get rid of Taggart after two years. But Deion Sanders, that Deion Sanders, yes, Hall of Fame NFL player, uh, Super Bowl winner with the Cowboys and the 49ers, Atlanta Braves star, okay? Yes, that Deion Sanders has emerged as a possible head coaching candidate, so we'll have to see how that one plays out. For now, defensive line coach Odell Haggins, who is a 26-year veteran of the FSU coaching staff, will serve as the interim head coach for the rest of the 2019 season. Haggins was interim back in 2007 when Fisher uh, departed. And then I just remember this one also. I talk about Rutgers a lot and how, um, especially on my Sports Minute on the Glorious House of Gains podcast, which we did last night, you can go check that out. Um, I'm always talking about how you should bet against Rutgers and take the spread every week. They have come through four out of five weeks. They're off this week, and then they get Ohio State, they get Penn State, and they get Michigan State, and those are three guaranteed winners right there. So uh, keep an eye on that. But, but... Um, they also are in need of a new head coach after firing Chris Ash in his fourth season. It, it just didn't work, obviously. They're the worst Power 5 t- uh, team in America. I can say that with absolute certainty because they are another team, much like my Jets, that just get it wrong year in and year out. Okay, So they have brought in and interviewed former Rutgers coach, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach, former Ohio State co-defensive coordinator, former New England Patriots defensive coordinator for all of like one day, Greg Schiano. Okay, yes, Greg Schiano, who went sixty-eight and sixty-seven at Rutgers, but at the at at, at the height of success in Piscataway, he had Rutgers at number twelve in the AP poll. Okay, and they were once ranked 10th. I believe they were like 8 and 0 or something, and then they ended up losing to Maryland and that was the end of that, but just the glory days of Rutgers football. If you know Rutgers, if you went to Rutgers like I did, if you know exactly what I'm talking about. So yes, that Greg Schiano, he interviewed for the job I think on Tuesday. So we'll wait and see what happens. It's a very um good possibility that he is named the new Rutgers football uh, head coach. So yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, something to keep an eye on. And then they do get Ohio State next week. So, um, so in uh, keeping with that element for a second, Ohio State just announced that their stud defensive end, Chase Young, will not play against Maryland. The uh, Ohio State Athletic Department is investigating um, into Young because he put out that he released a, a press release, excuse me, that um, he took a loan. He said he took a loan sometime in 2018 from a family friend, but a family friend that he met only a couple of years ago, only maybe at, around at the end of high school. So yeah, family friend, meaning, uh, yes, somebody that gave him a nice little payday. Um, so yeah, Ohio State is investigating to see if there is a possible NCAA violation. So he will not be playing this 
uh, tomorrow against Maryland. He will be sitting out this game. He has 13 and a half sacks on the season, which um, I believe that the he, he's set to break the single season record at Ohio State, which was set, I want to say, 2007 by Vernon Golston. Um, so he needs a couple more for that. He's tied with uh, Bosa, Nick Bosa, I believe it was. No, Joey, it would be Joey Bosa because Nick Bosa barely played um, in his last season, um, <clears throat> in his final season last year. Excuse me. Um, so yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. And hey, maybe he doesn't play against Rutgers next week and maybe Rutgers has a chance. Yeah, right. That would be that would be some that would be the ups if Rutgers beat Ohio State, the number one team in the country next week. That would be the biggest upset in the history of sports because I can promise you the spread on that game is going to be over forty five. If I had to guess, it is going to be between forty and forty five points. Okay, and that there's. There's no way in hell that they would ever be there. They won't score. I, I'm as com- I'm confident that Rutgers will. If there if there's a prop bet, will Rutgers score a point in this game? I will say they will not, and I will become a very rich, very rich man because there's no shot that Rutgers can put up any points against Ohio State. There's just no chance. Zero. Zero, zero, zero. They are putting basically a tight end at quarterback because that's why he left uh, Boston College because they turned him into a tight end and he wants to be a quarterback. This is some Tim Tebow type of stuff, only this guy isn't even comparable uh, on Tim Tebow's level. He's he. This is like Tim Tebow in the NFL when it comes to Johnny Langan trying to play quarterback at Rutgers, but I digress. And then um, speaking of Penn State, Minnesota, team of unbeaten, that's a game of unbeatens right there. Uh, that should be a good one tomorrow as well. P.J. Fleck and Minnesota have a, agreed to a deal that will keep him in St. Paul through the 2026 season. So that's a new like seven-year contract, so good for him. Uh, there were some rumors that he might be in line for that Florida State job, but that has since closed. And then, like I said, you have LSU Alabama. This is the big one tomorrow night. Tua Tagovailoa is back, ladies and gentlemen. He is back with a vengeance. He will play. Um, they are... Uh, Six and a half point favorites, Alabama is. Um, they're playing at home in Tuscaloosa. I like Alabama in this one, okay? Um, although I expect this to be a high scoring game. This is tough because, like I said, Baylor is 8 0. The loser of this game could be in serious jeopardy as a one loss team. They would definitely. Um, not want to be in that spot and it would be tough for the for the playoff committee to uh, put them in they're not out of it though totally if they lose but it's going to be very difficult and then um donald trump is going to attend this game so that's pretty cool trump usually attends the army navy game but he is expected to be in attendance at this lsu and alabama game so look forward to that one uh if you're a college football fan that is a must the must watch game of the season ladies and gentlemen okay so, with that being said, oh, wait, and then I almost forgot. We've got a couple teams on bye. I'd like to give you those teams that are on bye this weekend. You have uh, number 11, Auburn, number 21, Memphis, number 14, Michigan, number 24, Navy, number 23, Oklahoma State, number 7, Oregon, and number 8, Utah are also both on bye. Two teams sitting right there in the Pac-12 that have a chance to get in if, if there's some uh, chaos that ensues. But um, yeah, a lot of good games this weekend. There's a couple of uh, games 
um, that I'm going to be marking in my calendar as must must watch besides those two games that I mentioned, of course. Um, there's some good ones. You've got Iowa and Wisconsin, nice Big Ten matchup there. Just some, you know, just some games that, that I look forward to watching tomorrow. Okay, so we're going to, um, that's going to clear things up in college football world. We'll take a quick break, and then I want to talk about the college basketball season, which just began on Tuesday. Okay, we're back. Let's jump right into college basketball. I said the season began on Tuesday with a pair of elite matchups between the number one and number two teams and number three and numbers four in the country. And it all got started with numbers three and four in Duke and Kansas. This was a very close game. Duke ekes out the win, 68-66. This snaps Bill Self's three-game winning streak over Mike Krzyzewski. Kansas, this is uh, noteworthy, they finished the game with 28 turnovers, Jay Billis, 28. Oh my God. It is the most since committing a school record 30 turnovers in the 1988 NCAA tournament against Xavier. Yikes. Uh, Duke scored 29 of its 68 points over that over. Uh, off those turnovers, excuse me. So uh, surprising that they still only lost by two points. That's a actually good sign if you're Kansas. That's something to um, to build on there and just tell your guys, you know, if we lo- if we don't turn the ball over 28 uh, times, we win this game. If we turn it over three less times, two less times, one less time, we're right in this game and we could win it. So that's a good sign there. And then the nightcap, you had number one Michigan State losing to Kentucky 69 to 62 Kentucky freshman uh Tyrese Maxey wow did he look ev- he looks legit guys um it, it, whew, somebody to keep an eye on he scored 26 including a clutch 3 that beat the shot clock with about a minute left when uh Michigan State and Cassius Winston had cut that lead to 3 so that basically sealed the win there uh speaking of Cassius Winston he was really their only hope on the Michigan State side finishing with 21 points in the loss uh, we had UNC, North Carolina. They beat Notre Dame 76-65 to on Wednesday. You had Cole Anthony scoring 34 points, the freshman. It is the most ever for a North Carolina freshman in a debut. Um, he is obviously the son of Greg Anthony, former NBA great, UNLV National Championship. They beat Duke back in the day, 12-year veteran of the NBA drafted by the Knicks. That Greg Anthony, the analyst that you see on TNT and CBS and and works for Yahoo as well. So yeah, proud Papa right there. Yeah, this kid is legit too. I mean, he could sh- he has as good a shot as I've seen from a freshman. I, and I, I and I saw highlights of this game basically. I mean, he looks legit at the point guard spot. So uh, he. You know, he also tied for the third most points by a freshman in UNC history. He did add 11 rebounds and five assists to become the first ACC freshman with 30, 10, and 5 in a debut in the last 20 seasons. So another guy to look out for as a top overall pick coming up in the NBA draft. I know it's a long season to go, but this kid is legit. These two freshmen for Kentucky and North Carolina, just watch out. And then uh, also on Wednesday, you had number 11, Virginia beating Syracuse 48 to 34. Um, Say what? 
Yeah, I'm not joking when I say that. That was the score. It was 48 to 34. It is the fewest points in a game for the Syracuse Orange since February 21st, 1945 against Temple. World War II was still going on then, and Jim Beheim was just three months old. To make matters worse, I just told you Cole Anthony scored 34 in his freshman debut and tying the total points that Syracuse had as a team. Yikes, people. Syracuse got to turn things around, but we know the last bunch of years under Bayheim, they've been a late a late season team. They come on at the end. They get a 10-11 seed in the NCAA tournament, and then they just go upset alert and run their way through. So uh, we'll see what happens there. So um, we'll, we'll stick with it. Uh, I'm not going to take a break here. That was just basically all I had to say about college basketball as the, se- as the season begins just um, you know early on here. Let's talk NBA, and it's a lot of injuries to go over. And we'll start with the Blazers and their center, Zach Collins. He's going to miss about four months. He had, uh, excuse me, so, uh, he had shoulder surgery after being injured on October 27th. Uh, with Collins' sideline, the Blazers are now going to rely on Anthony Tolliver and Skaz Labasari. Uh, it's tough blow for the Blazers, who are still awaiting the return of their um previous center, their starting center, Yusuf Nurkic, who broke his leg in that gruesome, gruesome uh, injury game against the Nets back in late March. That was just gruesome fashion that he ended up... That was one of those... um, Who was the kid in the NCAA tournament for Louisville? Uh, Kevin something. When he broke his leg, it was like that. Just one of those plays you want to look away from. Just one of those freak accidents where he came down and just... Oh, God. Just, yeah, just thinking about it is... It gets me queasy. Um, Okay, so the Raptors, they will be without Patrick McCaw for several weeks after having a mass removed from his knee. The 24-year-old's knee had been bothering him since the summer. The Raptors are seriously lacking in depth, especially in the backcourt early on in the season. So I don't know, look for them to maybe make some moves, go pick somebody up off waivers or call somebody up from the G League. And then Ben Simmons. He is also going to miss time. Oh, boo-hoo. Maybe that's karma for that whole um, Carl Anthony Towns chokeout that you didn't get fined or suspended for. Uh, Simmons injured the sh- his shoulder in the first half of Wednesday's loss to the Jazz. Um, wait a second. He injured his shoulder. I thought you could only injure your shoulder if you shoot the ball. Oh, come on. That was pretty good. No, but um, in all seriousness, I don't wish injury upon anybody. But uh, yeah, so he's going to miss some time. I don't think it's going to be too bad because x-rays were negative. They did say it was ju- it was a, a an AC joint sprain. So there's no timetable for his return, but I don't expect him to miss too long. Maybe a week, two weeks, max, couple games, who knows. And then um, the Clippers, they were fined $50,000 for Doc Rivers' comments. So here's what Doc Rivers had to say. He said he feels great. This is Kawhi Leonard. Uh, he feels great, but he feels great because of what we've been doing. We're just going to continue to do it. This all has to do with load management. This is something that Kawhi Leonard has been doing for quite some time now. This load management, we're eight games into the season. He's now sat twice. This was on Wednesday that he sat against the um, the Bucks, I believe it was. So the decision grew extreme uh, scrutiny to um, sit him. 
Doris Burke spoke about this. She went off on it. She said it's absolutely ridiculous, and I get that they have to protect him, but come on. This is not what the fans want to see. The fans want to see Kawhi Leonard play. He's the world champion, MVP of the finals. That's the guy they want to see on the court, and when they buy tickets, they expect to see him play. So eight games into the season when he's not playing, it's ridiculous. And so... um the reason he was fined was for basically the fact that um, before the statement that Doc Rivers put out, the league had just sent out a memo supporting the Clippers resting of Kawhi Leonard under the assumption that he was not healthy. So by Doc Rivers basically saying, oh yeah, he's he feels great, but we're just sitting him because, you know, that's the, what we've been doing. Uh, that's why they got fined. And so uh, he did come back Thursday and he looked great and he helped them to a nice win there. And then um, let's talk about the Warriors. I hinted in the opening about the, about the um, Golden State Warriors and about how much um, of a disappointment they have been so far this season. They are in a free fall and things have just gotten worse and worse and worse. Obviously, we know that they they lost um, Kawhi, excuse me, Kawhi, Kevin Durant when he decided to leave in free agency. They lost, excuse me, they lost Steph Curry because of a broken hand and they lost Clay Thompson for the season. Now, Steph Curry's injury, he had surgery a week ago for that broken hand that he suffered when um, Baines fell on his hand in the third quarter of that game. So um, he had surgery and was expected to miss three months. Well, According to a new report from Rick Bucher of Bleacher Report, the fracture is worse than the Warriors thought, and it is unlikely that he plays again this season. So to me, this sounds like the Golden State Warriors are in full tank mode. They are realizing that it's not going to be so easy without Kevin Durant and without Klay Thompson to make a run at a championship, and I think... They are going to tank this season and try to get a top draft pick. I already said last week that they were sending out scouts to just start taking a look at top at top players expecting a high draft pick. So, hey, this is something that we got to look into moving forward. Is Steph Curry really going to be out for the season with a broken hand? The season finishes up April 15th, I believe it is. So that's a long time to miss for a broken hand. We're still at the beginning of November, so you've got all of November December, January, February, March, April. That's six months, okay? That's just over six months away. <laughs> to miss that my amount of time for a broken hand, um, yeah, I'd say full tank mode in effect. All right, uh, now let's move on and let's talk some baseball, just some real brief stuff to get over, to go over. Um, the Blue Jays, they made a little off-season trade to sure up their starting pitching, which has been really... Uh, lacking for better terms um they they made a trade for Chase Anderson the Milwaukee's Bre- Milwaukee Brewers starter okay they gave up a minor leaguer by the name of Chad Spanberger Anderson who turns 32 this month has made 160 starts over six seasons in the majors, pitching to a career 3.94 ERA. You might remember him from two years ago in 2017. That's when he had his best season in um, the major leagues, pitching to a 2.74 ERA and 3.2 WAR. So um, 
Hopefully that helps the Blue Jays uh, sure up their starting pitching. The Orioles, Chris Davis, he made a record $3 million donation. So him and his wife, Jill, donated $3 million to the University of Maryland Children's Hospital. That's an awesome gesture right there. Congrats to Chris Davis for doing that. That's just awesome. Um, I guess... They said it's a record for the biggest donation the hospital has received from an athlete, so that's also very cool. But I guess he's feeling a little bit guilty over that $161 million that he essentially stole from the Orioles three years ago when he got that inflated contract that he just has not lived up to. Um, So moving on, let's talk J.D. Martinez. He declined his option to opt out of of his Red Sox contract. By remaining with the Red Sox, Martinez can now earn $62.5 million over the next three years. He also has an opt-out clause after the 2020 season. The return of Martinez leaves the Red Sox with a significant decision over what they're going to do with Mookie Betts, their four-time all-star outfielder, their basically superstar player, right? Um, He is expected to command more than $30 million in arbitration, leading to theories that the Red Sox could actually trade him to reach their salary goals, because I know the owner said they want to get under the salary cap and things of that nature. I mean, very interesting. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, that's not a guy you look to trade. So, um, I doubt that they will. Um, and then, uh, real briefly, I just want to talk about how the Yankees did not extend DD Gregorius qualifying offer of like 17 million so he becomes a free agent that's a little bit scary because I was pretty confident that the Yankees would re-sign him I know they restruck they were able to uh, get a deal with um, Araldis Chapman their uh, closer so he's not going anywhere and we'll see what happens with DD Um, hopefully there's not enough of a market for him and then he has to come back to the Yankees because to lose a guy like that I think would just be um, just foolish on the Yankees part. And then I want to talk about really quick last thing in uh, Major League Baseball is that the um, San Diego Padres have just hired, I think this just came about today, um, very recently, former Yankee pitching coach Larry Rothschild. So uh, yeah, that's who the Padres just hired. Um, he's a veteran pitching coach. You know, he knows the game well, and he did a lot of good things with the Yankees. So, yeah, uh, Jace Tin, Tin, Tinger, Tanger, whatever that new coach's name there is in um, in San Diego. They're pretty much irrelevant, but, yeah, they elected to hire Larry Rothschild, so he was out of baseball for all of, uh, what, five minutes? Okay, um... Let's take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back with what's trending and what you can look forward to for the weekend and then get you guys out of here. So I'll take a quick break and be right back. Time to get to what's trending in the world of sports, and we're going to start off with an awesome story. A kid by the name of Callan Bennett, he became the first player with autism to score a basket in a Division I basketball game. He plays the center position for Kent State. He made headlines um, back a year ago, I believe it was, when he became the first uh, person with autism to sign a letter of intent 
with a Division One program. So that is really awesome. So congratulations to Callen Bennett and Kent State. That's just a really awesome story. Next up, let's talk about Antonio Brown for a quick second. Earlier yesterday, sources told ESPN's Josina Anderson that Antonio Brown is scheduled to meet with the NFL next week concerning accusations of sexually assaulting multiple women and that the veteran is eager to present his side of the story. Just hours later from that report, Antonio Brown took to social media to display his frustration with the league, and he, he said, and I quote, Imagine conforming to a system, giving it 100% to see them treat me like this is unfairly. Brown said, that's not a sentence, by the way. Brown said on, uh, that's what he said on Twitter. He goes on to say, making money off my sweat and blood. F the NFL. I'll never play in that bleep. Treat black people the worst. It's worst, but okay. Clear my name and go F yourself. Oh, that's some awesome words for Antonio from Antonio. These football players, man, they they really got a great vocabulary. They've got a great education that they're getting at these these prestigious college programs. Just amazing. Okay, so then Apparently, a couple hours later, he posts another statement. I'm just very frustrated right now with the false allegations and slander to my name. I love football and I miss it. I just want to play and I'm very emotional about that. I'm determined to make my way back to the NFL ASAP. Make up your mind, bro. Either you want in or you want out. It's like, what's going on? One minute he's like, F you, F this, F that. I don't want to ever play in this league again. The next minute he's like, no, 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 I do. I, I want to play back. It's FOMO. I'm, you know, I don't want to miss out on this opportunity, whatever. Um, I, I, I don't even know why I'm even reporting that. It's barely news, but, uh, that's what's trending. And then, um, last, uh, another, uh, Something else I wanted to get to, sorry, got distracted there, is that black cat from Monday Night Football. There was a statement released, I guess, by whoever's in charge at MetLife or something. They Here's the statement. Tuesday morning, we set multiple humane traps throughout the stadium and searched long and hard for the black cat to no avail. So basically, they have yet to find this black cat. It's still running loose somewhere in the stadium. Maybe it's out of the stadium. Who knows? But they can't find it. And they said at that point, they decided to bring in um, Puppy Kitty New York City a trap, neuter, release, a TNR, and no-kill shelter to assist with the search. They're hopeful that together they can find the black cat uh, that everybody fell in love with on Monday night. There have been erroneous reports in the media that MetLife Stadium houses and feeds 300 cats, which is simply which is simply not true. From time to time, we have seen cats on the complex and the Meadowlands racetrack, which is located um, across the parking lot at the sports complex. Ha- they do have a TNR program in place, and they currently feed approximately 30 barn cats. But they are grateful for the outpouring of support and will continue to work with Puppy Kitty New York City to try to locate the black cat. So as of now, I don't think they found that black cat. So that's something to keep an eye on. And then what's trending more is Carmelo Anthony. If you weren't sure if Melo was still considering a return to the NBA, because it's been kind of hush-hush on that topic since the season started, he said absolutely 200, 2,000% he still wants to play. He said you can make that your headline. There's just not really seem to be a market for him. Maybe the Golden State Warriors will sign him to get at, to at least get fans in the arena right now because they're just in a massive uh, free fall. 
And then um, number eight, South Carolina versus number four, Maryland. First matchup versus ranked teams in women's college basketball airing uh, Sunday at 3 p.m. I won't watch it, but hey, I thought I'd throw it out there. Um, That's a big event in the land of women's college basketball. And then this is technically sports. It was featured on ESPN Daily's newsletter, so I will bring it up. Logan Paul versus KSI in a rematch of last year's fight that ended in a draw. A lot of you have no idea what I am talking about. Logan Paul and KSI are two YouTubers, if you know what those are, social media influencers, if you will. Um, Logan Paul from Los Angeles, a friend of Mr. Robert Frank, 615. He's actually been to the Team 10 house that he has there, million-dollar mansion, okay, then you have KSI, who is a British YouTuber. Okay, that's not his real name. I can't pronounce his real name. But they fought in a boxing match last year, and it made boatloads of money. 800,000 people paid $10 a piece to stream the fight. It, it was a huge success. So they're going to be fighting tomorrow night at 9 p.m., okay, in the Staples Center. And now both box both guys have actually gone professional for this fight, so they will not be donning any headgear. So this is going to be a legit uh, boxing match, okay? Logan Paul is the slight favorite, and of course that's who I'm rooting for, okay? And um, it can be streamed. They doubled the price this time. It's going to be streamed on Dazzin, the boxing network, uh, at 9 p.m. for 20 bucks, okay? Um, so there's that. And then... Moving on, we have Hall of Famer Chris Carter no longer working at Fox Sports. So if you saw this story this week, it kind of blew my mind, actually. Nobody really knows what's going on with this, but he had um, cleaned out his desk and basically was was thrown out by security. He was escorted out by security um, from the Fox Sports studio. He's a, he's a, you know, a talk show host with uh, Nick Wright and Jenna Wolf on... FS1's First Things First, which is an early morning show. I think it tries to compete with like um, with Golik and Wingo, if I'm not mistaken. I've not really watched it before, but I know of it. I know I know of it well. Um, there have been some reports that he was a little bit upset at Fox Sports for being passed over as part of Fox's Thursday night football studio show. But according to um, reports from Fox, that is not the reason he was let go. He may have been upset about not having a role on Thursday night football, but sources said the matter at hand is more serious. The exact nature of the disagreement is unknown at the time. Carter could not immediately be immediately reached for con- comment. Uh, And then here's what Fox Sports, the network said, Chris Carter is no longer with Fox Sports. There is no further comment at this time. So who the heck knows what's going on, guys? Um, That's something to keep an eye on because Chris Carter is a great, great personality on television. I like to watch him. He gets very animated. I enjoy the passion that he that he um, brings to to um, any show that he's a part of or any analysis that he brings to. to the stage when he speaks. Okay, that's going to do it for what's trending in the world of sports. We'll take a quick break and then get you guys out of here with On This Date in Sports. Don't go anywhere. We are back for the final segment on This Week in Sports, and it is On This Date 
We'll take it all the way back to November 8th, 1984. Michael Jordan making his debut in MSG, Madison Square Garden. It could not have gone more according to plan. He drops 33 points in a dominating Chicago Bulls win. Take a listen to this one. Number 23, Michael Jordan. Jordan comes up with the steal and the stop. Oh, wow. Michael Jordan right here. Take the baseline. Kings in the air. Scores. Michael Jordan did his thing. Jordan hits a jump shot. He just shook Bernard King back on his heels. Michael Jordan on the inbounds pass. So what a beautiful move. And here's the matchup that everybody came to see. Jordan against King. Not again. Yes, again. Uh, Here's Michael Jordan. What a jam by Jordan. Jordan has come up with another steal. Michael Jordan puts on a show. Here it is, showtime. Bam. All right, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to wrap up episode 74 of This Week in Sports. I look forward to talking to you guys, to you all next weekend. Enjoy your sports. Enjoy your college football. Enjoy your Sunday NFL football. Enjoy whatever you have going on this weekend. And if you do have some spare time and you get a chance, I highly recommend the show C on Apple TV Plus with Jason Momoa. It is very, very good. Four episodes thus far, I binge them quite quickly. It's it's very um, it's very gory, but it's a very interesting and intriguing show. So um, that's going to wrap this thing up, guys. I will see you all next week. Pody out.